him laugh, make him laugh. Bet you all tired of hearing the constant blather. In the end, you just want to know that laughing matters. From entrepreneurs to Fortune 500, humor makes the world go round. You didn't know? It's a fit for a pro, like a roll with spaghetti. To keep your culture light when times are heavy. So sit back and relax as you raise the bar. When it all comes down to the ha, ha, ha. Yeah, make him laugh, make him laugh, huh? You make him laugh, make him laugh. Welcome once again to Laughing Matters. The most unique podcast you're going to hear because we explore the power of humor in all walks of life and how all individuals are using humor to take a take a relaxing seat sometimes. And speaking of relaxing seats, uh, my name is Paul Merchan, I'm a senior vice president of Peppercom, and I'm alongside one of the most relaxed folks you'll ever meet, co-host and CEO of Peppercom, Steve Cody. Good afternoon, Steve. Good afternoon. I'm especially relaxed on a Friday afternoon with a bottle of Corona next to me. Ah, that's right. That's that's a really, really relaxing way to put it. And speaking of Corona, uh, we've got someone here who's uh, one of our guests who who lived in Corona, Queens for a while, but actually is from Brooklyn originally. And it's actually uh, interesting that we have someone here today for the world of music. So uh, it's a very special guest. Uh, specifically, he focuses on the hip hop genre. He's a producer at Sirius XM Radio for the music programming department, where he works on stations including Eminem, Shade 45 and LL Cool J's Rock the Bells couple of uh, big names right there in the hip-hop world. He's also a stand-up comedian, and he's performed all over the country at some of the most famous venues around. And he's also a contemporary of Steve and mine in that he hosts his own podcast called The Infamous Hour. And he's also a multimedia creator with content receiving millions of impressions weekly, interviewing some of the biggest artists in the music industry. And a side note from our listeners, he also happens to be my best friend as we grew up together, just walking distance from each other in central Brooklyn. So it's my pleasure to introduce you to my boy, Tone Vieira. Welcome, Tone. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate that introduction. Glad to be here on this podcast. I've been I've heard about this podcast for years, and it's such an honor to finally be on it. Well, just like your podcast, ours is infamous as well for all the right reasons. <laughs> it's awesome. I love the title too. Laughing matters. It's all about <laughs> laughing, isn't it? It, Amen. it does. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. I, I, have and I, mean, quote, I have a little quote that I yeah. say. It's uh, make fun of life before life makes fun of you. So true. So Steve true. Lives by, Steve lives by that mantra, often making fun of himself as well. My my motto is expect less, and I deliver on that. Hundred <laughs> percent. Every time. So, Tone, I wanted to start to ask you a little bit about uh, your uh, your role at, at SiriusXM. And I, I think it's a pretty enviable position uh, to be on site with some of the most influential contemporary hip hop artists. I mean, you and I, we grew up, you know, listening to, you know, LL Cool J and, and Eminem and, you know, Big Pun and everyone. And so now you're sort of sitting there and, and rubbing elbows with some of these folks. Um, I wanted to ask you if there's been any of those guests that you've come across who have been surprisingly funny and maybe you can give us like an antidote or two that you've you've had with them. Oh man, absolutely. Like you said, we grew up listening to these guys and now I'm I'm like good friends with some of these guys like LL Cool J for instance, like he has an album coming out next year and I've already heard it. I think that's nice. a that's like beyond my wildest dreams, but yeah, getting to work on that side of things on the programming side, I get to be part of a lot of meetings and hear a lot of things that are being discussed because we're always planning six months in advance. So um, getting to know some of these people on a personal level is amazing. Like I don't even call him LL Cool J. I call him Todd. You know, that's that's the name. That's the <laughs> professional name he goes by. So nice, when we nice. were at the Rock the Bells Festival, uh, you know, one of my uh, co-workers wanted to meet LL and she goes, I, I just really want to take a picture with him. And I was like, hey, Todd, come over here for a second. And you know, he was very embracing of it. But uh, 
feel comfortable enough calling him Todd, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you do. And you, you've got a chance to talk to him and to others a few times. I mean, they seem like in the music industry, you often see these people as just just kind of like unreachable, right? But do you see them as really approachable? Oh, yeah, for the most part. I mean, I tell people all the time, being in that building, I'm meeting them in a controlled environment. So, of course, all their guards are down. They know that I'm there to work. They know I'm a coworker of theirs. So it's been a huge pleasure just to get to know them on a personal level as well. A lot of these guys, they're, they're comedians at heart. Yeah. Everyone just like, they give off this facade like yeah, I'm a tough hip hop guy, but they're they're all clowns. They crack jokes. They're they're just as funny as as all of us are in this room here. Well, can we take a little bit of a deeper dive on that? I mean, obviously, humor and 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 hip hop and rap seem to go hand in glove in many ways. Um, it does it come natural to most of the uh, the artists, um, or there's some that are just you know like yourself. I mean, you do a lot of things. You produce. You do stand up. Is the same true with some of the entertainers or? Are they like, uh, do they fool around in open mic situations sometimes, or are they just naturally funny? I mean, tell us about, you don't have to name names, obviously, but, um, you know, have any good stories for us? Well, I mean, I think uh, I work with one of the biggest pranksters of them all, Eminem. He's he's just like, he's all jokes. When you talk to some of the people who work with him in the studio, they just say he's just bundles of fun to be around. Just always cracking jokes on people. They're very big on roasting each other. I think that's like an inner city thing. You just go around, like you just pick on somebody's weakness and exploit it. And, and that's how you grow bonds with people by, uh, by making fun of the way they dress, the way they look. Do you see it as an outlet? Like, like if a song just isn't working and the stress is, you know, building and I'm sure this happens, you know, in the studio, um, is humor a natural outlet? I mean, do you, you, do you turn to outlet? Like as you're producing, if you know something just isn't clicking, are you able to diffuse that situation with humor? Absolutely. I think humor is my go-to. I um, I grew up just being naturally funny. And uh, I feel like I found my place right here in hip hop because hip hop and, and um, humor, like in comedy in general, they just they just go hand in hand. Um, absolutely. I, t- I totally agree with the statement like they just they, they're really hand in glove. Yeah, and uh, Tony, I was going to ask you too because you know, obviously we knew each other growing up, and um, you know we grew up in Brooklyn, and we knew that there is there are certain uh, there, there are certain aspects of the life that was was important for us to uh, to keep it light, right? To to laugh, and um, you know as as a, as a Latino growing up in Brooklyn in particular, I wanted to ask you why why did comedy become so important to you, and and also um, how does that humor serve as a tool for people of color and and kids growing up in underrepresented communities like we did. It's a good question. You know, I think uh, when I was uh, starting to get into like media, um, you know, at a young age, you started to see people that that reminded you of yourself being funny. So it, I quickly gravitated towards it. You know, um, I grew up more specifically like uh, gravitating myself towards like this group called the Terror Squad, and it was like. Big Punisher, Fat Joe, and these guys, they had uh, interludes on their album. So you saw, you saw the the comedic element was there. Like these guys are like, yeah, we're here to make music. And, you know, a few of the songs, they would have humor in the lyrics, but these interludes is where they shine. They were really just showing off their, their comedic timing and their, their comedic writing abilities. Cause obviously these interludes aren't just freestyle. They're written out. And, um, because I saw that they looked like me. And I saw that they were comfortable doing that. It made it easier for me to be comfortable about it. 
seeing in myself term- represented in media in that sense. Sure. Sorry to interrupt. In terms of uh, comedians, I know you do stand up, but who are some of your influences and who who do you really like now? Oh, man. Obviously, the I have to give you the go to uh, Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock are like my top. <laughs> sure. Recently, I've been liking this new comedian. Um, well, he's not that new, but he's been around for years. His name is Andrew Schultz. He's um he's an MTV guy. OK. And um, he's very self-made, like. He shot his own comedy special and shopped it around. So um, what I like about him is his takes on everything. He had this pandemic series that he was doing where he was just basically taking the news and dissecting it, making it digestible, digestible for a younger audience. And he made it funny at the same time. He had a whole, a whole group of guys he was working with. And I just I just think he's a genius. So, yeah, obviously, Chappelle and Rock are my top. These are the guys that I mostly gravitated to young, being younger and. Andrew Schultz, I see him as the come up. Like, this is the guy that I'm going to like. I would probably even pay to go see him. Would you pay to go see yourself? (laughs) (laughs) You know, one of the biggest tragedies in the world is I will never be able to go see myself go perform. But that's a big. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Do do you uh, do you still get butterflies, whether you're uh, hosting a radio show in front of thousands or millions of listeners or you know, stepping back on stage, you know, on a comedy store, do you still get the butterflies before the pregame kickoff? <laughs> I think beforehand I did more because uh, I was new to it. So I was more worried about messing up. Uh, I think because I do it every day now, I don't think about it as much. But uh, yeah, the, the butterflies, yes, are there because I do talk on the air. And I think that's a good thing to have those butterflies because it means you care. I think the day that I become desensitized to that, I, I need to reevaluate what I'm doing. But at this point, yeah, of course, there is that little bit of nervousness in me. Yeah, that's a great point, because that nervousness, as you know, comes across as energy and passion to the listener or the audience. Absolutely. I, I never so, want to lose that. I never I never want to lose that. Cause, yeah, uh, 100%. You know, you know, there's something about the live element that just. It just really it gets me going. I love it. I love knowing that I'm live. I know I love knowing that people are listening to me in real time. I love that uh, that we live in this social media era where like if I say something funny, I'll get a, a message about it 10 seconds later on there. Like, yo, you're so funny. That thing you said about Kanye West, that thing you said about, you know, the, the guy getting arrested, you know, that that was really funny. So I, I absolutely love that. One one quick question, since we're talking about nerves and a lot of people who listen are business executives and they're scared to death. What what advice would you give in terms of like controlling your nerves, harnessing your nerves, using your nerves as a positive before you get up and give a speech or whatever? I feel like I don't have a great answer for this. It's just preparation. Um, mm-hmm. One big part of uh, being on radio, a live show is having a rundown of everything, being very bullet pointed. If you're not going to be 100% prepared, at least be 90% prepared. <laughs> no, that makes proper sense. Prior, more, you, know, you know what I'm that saying? That makes uh, sense. Proper prior preparation prevents poor performance. So I, I tend to like be as prepared as possible. You know, I, I give a lot of respect to George Carlin. I, I heard oh, yeah. talking to a lot of comedians. They're like, you're so amazing because he memorized all his material. Me personally, I don't, I don't memorize all my material. I, I memorize my bullet points. Mm-hmm. So that's the way that's what I found works for me. Mm-hmm. But I, ultimate props to him, because I bet he was never nervous out there. He was just out there like running it through like it was, a, you know, like a, like a Broadway performance, you know, yeah. everything down to the T. 
Yeah, for two hours straight, too, right? Totally killing it. I mean, his clips are still going viral to this day. So, as you can see, like, he was able to stand the test of time and make himself a timeless comedian in the process. You're right. More relevant than ever in many ways. Go ahead, Paul. Also, I, I love what you said about at least at least bringing ninety percent. If you're not going to be hundred percent prepared, I mean, I, I think I do at least seventy percent. Steve, you, would you put yourself at forty, fifty percent prepared? Not even, not even twenty five, okay. not even twenty five percent, Paul. There you go. Yeah, we just swing it all the time. Uh, but you know, I, I was, it was interesting tone because you're doing you're doing radio and you're doing stand up, and I guess some people could consider that those are very uh, related types of industries, right? But did you always intend to do both of them? I mean, how do you? marry both they must relate to you in a lot of ways and you can kind of use one to help with the other right absolutely you know both of these uh both of these facets of the entertainment industry fall under the same umbrella um yeah people often would tell me hey i noticed you were doing radio now you're doing stand-up weren't you a rapper at one point and i tell them you know these things are all co-related for instance i'm still in front of a microphone mm. i'm still producing the content that's being said through the microphone and I'm still disseminating a message. And so each of them through a different medium, but they're all the same thing. So I've never really changed. Right. I'm just doing it on a different platform. So so um, we live in brutal times, you know, uncertain times, anxiety, depression, suicide rates. I mean, it's one bad piece of news after another. I mean, obviously, you've got a lot of ways, you have a lot of outlets, but how do you deal with the nonstop negativity that's on the airwaves, you know, on the radio, TV, whatever? I mean, how do you deal with it? You know, it's almost like you have to shut it off. When the pandemic was happening, we received an email telling us to just minimize how much we talk about COVID, because we're reminded that we are people's escape from reality. Yeah. And um, I guess I guess that personally applied to me. I, I had to just turn it off. I had to pretend like COVID didn't exist some days. Like, but hey, did you hear about Kanye West, though? You know, that's that's how it was on a day to day with me. That, that's cool, though, to be, a, you know, you know, a distraction from the the negativity that surrounds the rest of us is a pretty cool role to be playing. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm flattered to be a part of that. Yeah, you know, it's funny as I, I think about it, it's like when we go to see movies, they're supposed to be our escape, right? That's why people like to have happy endings in movies, like in TV shows. It's like, okay, like I want to see that and listen to that because I don't want to think about the problems going on in my life. But you guys have to do it and do it live and, and do it at the moment for, for your audience and for your listeners. So that, that's a really interesting point. Uh, being on air, tell me if uh, you've had any embarrassing moments and how did you react? Did you just play it off like nothing happened or did you try to incorporate it into the conversation? I mean, what do you do? It's like, you know, I, the whole uh, the whole bit where like you see somebody falling on ice. Like, do you do you just kind of like get up and, and keep walking like it didn't happen? Or do you stay there and just like, man, I just fell on ice. Sometimes it's good just to embrace the moment and be like, well, looks like I tripped. <laughs> there I go being clumsy again. Um, I was going to say uh, one, one moment that came to mind is. Um, this is when I was brand new to SiriusXM. The guest was uh, Rashida Jones. If you're not familiar who she is, she oh, is an actress. Sure. She's Quincy Jones' daughter. Quincy. Yeah. So, uh, I know her from the show Parks and Recreations. Um, she showed up, and after her interview, she went to take a picture with the host. And um, uh, as Paul mentioned, I'm, I'm a multimedia content creator as well. So I'm very familiar with how to use a camera. 
but I didn't know how to use this person's camera that I had never seen before. It was like a different model that I'm used to working with. So they were like, take the picture. And I'm just there like pressing the wrong button. And Rashida Jones is like, all right, any day now. <laughs> I'm just there like, all right, I don't think I got it. I didn't hear the shutter yet. And I'm just there for like a good 30 seconds. And she's just there like, all right, I can't keep holding this smile now. And I'm just like, man, I'm embarrassing myself in front of Quincy Jones' daughter. <laughs> Did you end up taking the picture? Won, like, I couldn't take her picture for the life of me. So you still, to this day, I haven't taken They had to, like, come over and teach me how to take a picture. Hey, this is what you do. You hold it down. Oh, I got to hold it down. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so, Probably uh, a good look for somebody working in entertainment to have to be taught how to take a picture. How embarrassing. I was like, I hope Quincy doesn't find out about that one. Uh, <laughs> hey, speaking as someone who's actually uh, older than Quincy Jones, uh, I was wondering if you had any uh, any advice for aging white guys who are trying to trying to stay relevant, trying to stay current. Um, what would you I mean, whether they're entertainers, business executives like me, I mean, yeah, h- how do we stay relevant? How do we come across as not yesterday's news? I mean, what, what thoughts do you have? I mean, you know, I'm the same age as Howard Stern and he's considered hipper, you know, he's hip, as hip as ever, right? So, you know, right. So how do you know what's the magic in the bottle for a guy like Stern that business executives who are still very, very active, you know, in their in their 60s? What what kind of advice would you give? Stay up to date with trending topics, you know, not just not just the news, but like pop culture things. Kind of like make that your social media feed. So that way, when you you know, even if you're on it for like five minutes, you're, you're all you're like you get caught up. You're like, okay. Looks like this is happening. Oh, this person's getting divorced. Ah, this person's in a scandal. Okay, this person is a uh, touring. You know, you want to know what's going on. Even even something as uh, even the kids right now are big on TikTok. Yeah. I have a TikTok account. I, I'm not on it as much as I should be, but that's where you find out all the latest trends. Find out what kids are dancing to, what kids are quoting from pop culture. Because even like movies from the '90s start to resurface again, and they start quoting those. So it's important to know what the kids are like starting to bring back. Yeah. Amen. I mean, yeah, having that frame of reference and that's so important for us and for you know our audience, because right. we have to reach, you know, countless generations. And to your point, a lot of the stuff from the nineties is resurfacing now. Yep. So being aware of those trends and obviously more and more brands are on TikTok as well. What, what's the, what any predictions in terms of like the next big social channel besides your own? <laughs> <laughs> the next big social media platform. Yeah. What's, what's Donald Trump's platform doing right now? How much numbers is it? <laughs> right now? I, don't, I, don't know. I think he's he's going back to the telegraph tone. Oh, yeah, man. I don't know. What's up with LinkedIn? What's happening with that? That's popping yet? I don't I don't really know. Yeah, I, I feel like TikTok was the, the, the big one and it's it's kind of like commanding everything right now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see anything really taking its place right at this at this given time that could change like in the next two months but yeah what what about new what about new music genres you know anything new you know on the horizon that you're seeing yeah you know it's crazy uh this weekend uh, i don't know if this podcast is timely but uh, this weekend they're doing the rolling loud festival and they just announced that they pulled a few acts off of it because uh nypd was concerned about some of the acts that the kind of uh audience they would attract these are drill rappers but the drill new york rap drill sound is something that's really relevant with these kids and when i say these kids i mean like uh 
you know, pre-teens, teenagers, um, you know, 18 to 25. That's like a huge sound with them. I, I see that being something that catches on and it's already doing numbers. It's, it's viral on the internet. Um, one of their big artists, Pop Smoke, was uh, unfortunately, uh, his life was taken not too long ago and he was kind of like the pioneer of this. So yeah, the drill sound is, is big. Wow. That's crazy. I haven't even heard of it. Steve, I mean, that's going to be your next uh, your, your next music right there, right? Guess again, it's drill rap. I'm recording an album as we speak. There you go. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, hey, Tom, this was great. Really appreciate you coming on and, and giving us, shining a light into this, this awesome industry that you're working in. And uh, especially for us to consider some of the things that you guys are doing that uh, we can keep in mind in the business world as well. So really appreciate your time, Tom. Yeah. And congratulations on your success, man. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't, I obviously I don't know you, but I'm, I'm really proud of you and Paul, you know, humble origins and you've both been, you know, incredibly successful. All I would ask is that if we do have you on again, you wear a, a Mets hat next time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or, I could, or I could just do that and flip it backwards. That'll yeah. work. That'll work. <laughs> no, no. I, right. I, I, thank you guys so much for your yeah. time. This this podcast is awesome. I've, I've heard previous episodes and there's always something to take away from, from these episodes. You guys are great. You guys are great interviewers and I really appreciated my time here. Well, thank you. We enjoyed our time with you as well, my man. Thanks, right. Tom. Well, appreciate well, it. Bless. Thanks, right. Steve. And to everyone else at home, thank you for joining Laughing Matters. See you next time.